Chapter 18, starting at verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius, Justus, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallia was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a nighted attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallia said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallia paid no attention to any of this. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to sit under your word, read your word, study your word, memorize your word, but also learn to understand what your word says to our own hearts. Thank you that we have your word to encourage us, your word to direct us, your word to guide us, lamp to our feet and light to our path. Your word is so powerful, it not only saves us, but it also transforms us more into Christ-likeness. But thank you, most of all, that your word encourages us, especially when we go through hard times, when we struggle. We thank you that your word is there to encourage us to endure our race and gives us the future hope of Christ's returning, coming soon. But help me now, Father, to be clear and help us all to listen. Help us to to listen and allow the scriptures to rebuke us, teach us, correct us, and train us in righteousness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, for his work in us, in me now, as I preach. He can do a great work in our hearts. He can testify about Christ, and he can convict us of sin. So, Father, thank you again for grace and mercy. 
Thank you for this beautiful day. Pray and ask this all in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. To me, probably what's most needed, yes, we need love, we need kindness, we need justice, fairness, we need tenderness, we need joy. But I think what we're going through, what we really need, is encouragement. I think we underestimate that. We think we can get along alone. We think we can do it all on ourselves. But we can't. Not even Jesus could do it alone. Not even Paul could do it alone. And we'll see that he needed encouragement. The question is, who do we turn to for encouragement? And then what kind of encouragement do you seek when you need encouragement? Is it worldly encouragement or is it godly encouragement? Now, encouragement can come in two ways. I'm not saying they're both, or the one's wrong and the one's... One is right, definitely. But I'm not saying the other one, the first one, is wrong. There's nothing wrong with with encouraging people like that. But I think it's more complimenting someone. Someone walks through that door and they've got a new hairstyle and you can compliment them, say, your hair looks nice. Or you go and eat out at someone and they cook a really lovely meal and you compliment them at the end and say, you know what, Joe and Jack, thank you for a lovely meal. It was delicious. You can compliment them. But is that encouraging? Is that biblical encouragement? I think true encouragement and the encouragement that we need as brothers and sisters in Christ is for us to, to know the scriptures and to, to go to that person that needs encouragement and take them your words of encouragement plus God's word of encouragement plus pray to encourage them. I'm thinking of Ed. Now, unfortunately, lockdown. We can't go visit him. But I know if Janice goes, if I go, and you ever went, the best thing for him is, yes, our presence is important to be there, but the most beautiful thing we can do is we can read Scripture and encourage him and pray. Because that's what we hang on to. That's what we hold fast to. So encouragement is important. When we, when we see Paul and, and, and Silas leaving Philippi, they were jailed, and they were cleaned up by the jailer. And then before they go home, before they go on to their next town, they go from prison and visit Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them. And then they departed. They encouraged them in the faith, in the scriptures. That's what we need. We, we at the moment, we have no persecution. But there's a time and it will come. Who are we going to seek our encouragement from? If we can't seek encouragement now, as we suffer, as we go through maybe um, difficulties in our marriage, or difficulties in our parenting, or difficulties in our work, or just in generally in life with this virus. If we can't seek encouragement now from each other, how are we going to do that when persecution comes? And I read that beautiful verse because, because Scripture, God, encourages us to seek encouragement. Paul writes to the Church of Rome, and I'll read that verse again. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, yes, 
that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Hope in, in something solid, something concrete, something permanent, in the rock who is God, who is Christ. God knows we need encouragement because His own Son, the Son of God, warned us, Jesus warned us, that in this world you will have trouble. We will have trouble in this world. And then He encourages us. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We live in a broken world where everything calls us towards selfishness. The world has become incredibly selfish. People have become incredibly selfish. We live in a fallen world. Sin steals our joy. Our bodies break down. Our plans falter. Our dreams die. And if we're in the Scriptures, we are promised suffering, we are promised persecution, and we are promised trials of various kinds. And therefore we need encouragement. God knows that. And sometimes when we're so stubborn to go and seek encouragement, He does send someone to encourage us. And how grateful and thankful we are at times. And, and if we look at Paul, if Paul needed encouragement, what has changed? People think Paul was this apostle and he had it all worked out and, and he just, basically no one could touch him. Well, he has a man that needed encouragement. Um, in in 11.23, 2 Corinthians. I'm talking like a madman, no. With far greater labours, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was drift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Are you telling me that that person doesn't need encouragement? He's all okay, he's fine? I think Paul can just plain sail through life without any encouragement? This man needed encouragement, and so do we. And so do we. So as we look at Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 17, we will see that Paul's encouragement came in two different ways. And hopefully these two different ways will help us to see that we need encouragement, but how important encouragement is. But will we seek encouragement? Children do it well. When they need encouragement, they normally run to their parents. To be encouraged. They run there for security. They run there for help. It's, it's their safety net. 
And that's how we should. We should run to God. Take refuge in His fortress. Run to Him. His arms are wide open. Yet we run in the opposite direction. So how, how, how did Paul's encouragement come? How did it come? Well, here's the first way. It was fellowship with Christians. And we see that in verses 1 to 8 of Acts chapter 18. But you might be asking me the question, Mark, how do you know that Paul needed encouragement? Well, we can say in verse 9, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, don't be afraid. So that's telling you. Something's going on in Paul's heart and mind. But we can also go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, when Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. See, Paul came to Corinth, not on high, and he was the super apostle, and everybody was bound down to his feet and worshipping him and following him. No, he came to Corinth after being beaten and imprisoned in Philippi, run out of Thessalonica and Berea, and mocked in Athens. We can say Paul arrived in Corinth after travelling about 80 kilometres on foot with great discouragement. And how often when a trial comes our way and we think, oh, maybe this is going to last a day, a week goes by, patience starts running out, and what steps in? Discouragement, despondency, despair. When will this ever go away? We become anxious and discouraged. Imagine Paul having to go into each city not knowing what was going to happen. And we all suffer. If someone had to hit us over the head with a rock, we were hurt. Paul had pain. He knew what that was like. To be standing there alone and being stoned, being beaten, being kicked in the head by someone's feet. This is the reality of persecution. Let's not, let's not paint a dim picture. Let's paint a real picture. Paul was beaten for the sake of the gospel. And Paul needed encouragement. He arrives in Corinth. And it's a, it's a, it's a pagan city. It has a temple to Aphrodite, the mythical Greek goddess of love. And this temple housed a thousand so-called priestesses who were available to the city as prostitutes. There was sexual immorality. You could go there with a prostitute and, and have, a, have a sexual encounter and that's how you worship the God, through that. Paul is not going to a seeker-friendly town. Paul is going to a town where he's all alone and all he has is himself and his God and the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation. Think about it. When you have to phone someone because he wants to hear about the gospel, 
And now you have to phone him and set up a time and go and have coffee with him. You become a little bit anxious. You become a little bit worried. You're thinking like, how's this guy going to react? What am I going to say to him? Oh, am I going to look a fool? What happens if he asks me this question? And then by the time we get there, we've kind of discouraged ourselves. We've, we've run ourselves down. So think what Paul is going through when he has to face crowds. Not individual people, crowds. Pagans. But Paul knew he's God. What did Paul and Silas do when they were thrown in prison? They prayed and sang songs. What do you think Paul did when he was in discouragement? When he was discouraged? He prayed. He knew the Psalms. There's a lovely Psalm. Psalm 10 verse 17 says, You hear, O Lord, the desires of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Paul knew where his encouragement would come from. Yes, it would come from God. But he knew God would also bring encouragement through other brothers and sisters in Christ. And there in Corinth he finds a Jew named Aquila and his wife named Priscilla. God opened up a door for encouragement. And how did Aquila and Priscilla arrive in Corinth? Did they decide they're going to leave Rome and sell up and just go and live in Corinth? No, they were kicked out of Rome. Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Yes, they were Christians, but they were Jewish by ethnic, by nationality. God's providence, God's divine providence, setting up Paul with Aquila and Priscilla. Because Paul needed encouragement. We talk God incident. We talk. We don't talk a, a biblical language anymore. We don't. We see God's providence here. I've read this over and over, and I've just looked at this as, uh, look what happened. There's Paul arriving in Corinth. He preaches the gospel again, and then there's a vision, and then we move on. But we miss out on 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 providence. We miss out on God's goodness, God's kindness, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, the doctrines that or the attributes of God. And yeah, we just see God's sovereignty and providence in Paul's life. How he, he brings the three of them together. And they're like-minded. And they also have the same work. They tent makers by trade. Wow, that's amazing. That's something in common. They can, they can work together and they can encourage one another to press on for the glory of God. There must have been times when Paul often wanted to throw the towel in probably and just say, that's it. But he was under compulsion to preach the gospel. And God would have chastised him. I think it was... Um, I can't think of his name now. That will come to my mind just now. But Paul needed encouragement. Because there were people in Corinth that, that, that needed to hear the gospel. Desperate people. People that were disillusioned by pleasure and worldliness. People that were lost. And, and, and Paul was, yes, he'd been on a rough road and he needed encouragement. But he needed to know that he needed to keep taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Are we taking the gospel to our friends? 
I think of in the Old Testament when David was running from Saul. Jonathan risked his life just to come and find David and strengthen him in the Lord. He needed encouragement. God's providence. God taking care of his children's needs. Not always physical, but spiritual. And, and Jonathan and David became they bonded in covenant. I love you more than I love myself. They had a beautiful relationship. And so this happened to, to Priscilla and Aquila and Paul. They became great friends. They became great, a great family in Christ. And if you read in Romans chapter 16, verses 3 to 4, they even risked their life for Paul's sake. It was prayer and the sovereignty of God that brought them all together. And this should encourage us to, to cry to God in prayer for encouragement. I don't know if it works for you, and hopefully it does, but I know that, that when I'm reading God's Word, and I read the Bible um, in, in a chronological order, I don't just wake up and say, okay, today I'm going to read Psalm 1 and then tomorrow I'm going to read Psalm 10. I'm reading the Bible through. And it's amazing that, that you might be, you wake up that morning and there's something worrying you or you're discouraged and you just come across a scripture or a verse. It happened to me, I think, on, on Thursday. I was reading through the Psalms and, and I needed some encouragement. Yes, your pastor also needs encouragement. And there in Psalm 62, verse 8, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Wow. This book is probably the most beautiful book we've been given, but neglected at the same time by God's people. The Holy Spirit is in us and He wants to teach us so much and He wants to encourage us through the Scriptures. You cannot, you cannot separate the Holy Spirit from the Bible. They're together. You cannot divorce them. And often we try and walk without the Bible and we rely on the Holy Spirit teaching us other things beyond the Bible. True truth comes from the Bible alone. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us. But this morning, what is causing discouragement in your life? Is it some health scares? Career difficulties? Parenting issues? Marital issues? Financial struggles? Because we too can pray to the God of all comfort to comfort us and to help us. He too will send Christian friends to encourage us. Or we can phone up a Christian friend and be encouraged. But how? Well, Ephesians 4.29 helps us because it's important to know how we do this. If I'm discouraged and I phone someone else up to say, listen, you know, Philip, I need some encouragement. Let's go for coffee. How should Philip come to that coffee time? How should he come well, Ephesians 4.29 helps us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come 
out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And the saddest thing about Christianity, when a person sins, or a person does something wrong, or a person needs encouragement, we always seem to go and want to tell that person what he's doing wrong. There's a time for that. We should go with, with words that, that, that will build that person up. Sometimes we focus on the issue and the person doesn't want to hear that. Why are, why are you um, discouraged? Well, you, you're the pastor. You should be encouraged. You should be happy. You should be full of joy. You, you, you're the closest to God out of all of us. No, I'm not. I'm a sheep. I'm like one of you. Except we knock and we label people. Instead of just bringing God's word and strengthening the people and encouraging them. And sometimes you don't have to take God's word. You could just go there and have a cup of coffee with them. And just sit there. Or even go to the person's house and make a cup of coffee. Their own coffee. Make them a coffee. Make them some toast. That's encouragement. Do you know when we will see more of this Lord willing, next week with Elijah. What did God do with Elijah when he ran from Jezebel? How did God encourage him when he was sitting under a tree wanting God to take his life? He wanted to commit suicide. He had enough of life. How did God come and encourage him? Did he come with a rod? Did he come with words? No. He sent an angel and the angel cooked him a meal because he needed encouragement by strengthening himself with food and that. There was this, um, in, in When Is It Right to Die? Janie Erickson Tata shares a story of, of getting a letter from Beverly. And Beverly said her husband is, has become depressed, he's a quadriplegic, he was a pastor, and he doesn't want to get out of bed, he's had enough, enough of living. And she asked, um, JD, can you, can you please call him, can you give him a ring, can you give him some word of encouragement? And nothing, nothing moved this guy lying there in the dark bedroom. She said that I spoke to him, I spoke words with him, I prayed for him, nothing moved him. He just, just listened. Then suddenly, I remembered a scene from a movie, from the Shawshank Redemption. And then I said to him, have you seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? And suddenly I heard life on the other end of the phone. Maybe the abrupt change got his attention because he answered, yes, yes. He had seen the movie. And I asked him if he remembered a scene at the very end where one character says to another, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies. Get busy living or get busy dying. Something switched on in that man's mind. And she was able to counsel him after that. He didn't take scripture. Scripture didn't get him there. But God used Jody as an instrument. God works in mysterious ways. Now I'm not downplaying the importance of the Bible, please. And I'm not downplaying prayer. But sometimes you can just go to someone, just talk to them about life, generally. Encourage them, like I said, make them a piece of toast and some coffee and talk about life. Talk about a movie that you've both seen and, and what it meant to you. 
And God will open up that door for the scriptures and pray. But there is a man, a man of God, that needs encouragement. And then I just think of Jesus. How he encouraged his disciples. Before he died on the cross, they all said, we'll be there with you, Jesus. We'll die with you. We will defend you. And what did they do when they arrested Jesus in the garden? They ran. And Peter, what did Peter do? He denied Jesus three times before the crow crowed, cried. What does Jesus do? Does he go and find Peter eventually and say, Peter, listen here, come to my office. I want a word with you. And tell him ten things he should have done. What did Jesus do? It's incredible. His love, his compassion, his patience with people. He, he's having, he first goes and he cooks a breakfast over a bride. And he gets them to come and they eat. And then he says to Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. That's all he said to Peter. That's how I encouraged Peter. And look what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up and preached a powerful sermon for the glory and for the sake of Jesus alone. But we do it totally the opposite. There's a time and a place, yes, to call someone in. I know that. But sometimes we must, we must love like Jesus loved. Jesus loved us into the kingdom. Let's love people into the church. Let's love people out of their discouragement. And then, of course, while, while Paul's waiting there in Corinth, or he's going about preaching and teaching and, and trying on the Sabbath, he tried to persuade the Jews and Greeks in the synagogue, then there comes along two other Christian brothers, Silas and Timothy. They eventually arrive in Macedonia. More encouragement. And they also brought financial support. We read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8, and in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, which then allowed Paul the freedom to be occupied in, in going out there and preaching the word. And Paul was encouraged through that. Paul was encouraged as he preached. People believed. He's not focused on the negative, on what's not happening. He's focused on what is happening and he's focused on what he's called to do. And he's called to testify to the Jews and to the Gentiles that Christ was Jesus. He came to make Jesus and the resurrection known. And some Jews in Corinth are saved. I mean, we see there that he's eventually, again, he's opposed and reviled as he shares the gospel. But he shakes out his garments, which is a symbolic act of the breaking of fellowship and an act of judgment that said, you've had your opportunity here, now it is over. And to have blood on your heads means that you bear the responsibility of another's death because you were not faithful to warn him. Well, you're not faithful to listen, so you can warn him what I have to say. His opponents were fully responsible for what they were doing. Paul's hands were clean because he had been faithful to declare the message of the gospel. He cleared himself from any guilt connected with their rejection. Again, Paul must have 
become a little bit discouraged from that. But there, Titius, Justice, takes him in. A worshipper of God. A man that God saved. And his house is next door to the synagogue. What encouragement. He's got a place to disciple people. To speak the gospel to them. And then next door is the synagogue. And who's saved? Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed. His whole household believed. And then other Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Despite rejection, Paul kept on keeping on for the glory of God, proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And he was helped, yes, by God, trusting God, but he's also encouraged by friends. He encouraged him to keep on. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Keep looking to him for wisdom and guidance. Keep looking to him for strength. Because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do we actually know what that means for ourselves? Have we embraced that? Or is it just a cliche? When someone's in difficulty, you send them a message, say, you know, Pat, do all things through him who will strengthen you. Does Pat actually know what that means? Do we know what that means? Do we actually put it into practice in our lives? God is always going to encourage us. And he's always going to be there to help us. Lord willing, we'll look at God encouraging him next week. But the first way that God encouraged Paul, Paul's encouragement, came from Christians, believers. And the value and the importance of encouragement is for us to keep running our race. So we do not become shipwrecked or we waver. Read the book of Hebrews. There's, four, there's five warnings there. And we need encouragement. We need encouragement. And the greatest encouragement for us is, is to look to Jesus on the cross. Because there he's given us eternal life. But he's given us a new life. To walk in newness of life. To no longer live for ourselves but for him. And to live faithfully for Him. And that's going to require encouragement. That's going to require hard work. Helping each other. Half the time, and I, and I say this sensitively, half the time when someone comes to you and wants encouragement, you sometimes go run off to your friends and say, Santa wants encouragement. Oh, I thought he wasn't such and such a Christian. You sometimes can, can end up gossiping about those people. We need a change of attitude in our churches. People won't come and, and ask you to pray for them because they're concerned what you are going to say to other people about them. There's no more confidentiality. There's no more, there's no more trust. But let's look to Jesus. Let's seek wisdom and guidance from Him. And I close with this beautiful passage from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, or chapter 2. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and to rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. 
but continue to encourage one another every day as long as it's called today. And there is an opportunity so that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, its cleverness, its delusive glamour and its sophistication. So we need to encourage each other. Sorry, that was Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12 or 2. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 2 or 3. We need to encourage each other because of sin. The deceitfulness of sin, the power of sin, the power of the world, the power of the flesh and Satan. Let's look to Paul. Notice where his encouragement came from. Believers. Let us seek encouragement from our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Let's humble ourselves before God. Let's seek help. Let's seek encouragement. No matter what you're going through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. That your word is there to strengthen us. Your word is there to make us strong and courageous. But we also warn, be careful to do everything that is written in the word. Be careful so that we can become strong and courageous. Father, please forgive us. For we do not always run to brothers and sisters in Christ for encouragement. And sometimes we do, but we don't get what we, what, we, what we are seeking from them, which is encouragement. Sometimes we get from them their story, their life, and they haven't listened to us properly. They've just spoken right over our encouragement. Father, forgive us. We are so self-centered, so self-righteous, so selfish. We're not even concerned for others. We should be utterly. We should be mindful of what's going on in our lives so we can help each other endure this race. And run it with, with, a, with a joy and an enthusiasm. Because we have a, a, a beautiful creator God who knows us and loves us. Our heavenly Father. Compassionate Father. So Father, please forgive us. Be merciful to us. But give us the wisdom to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow Christ. And humble ourselves and seek encouragement from our brothers and sisters, from our Christian friends. Help us, Father. Be merciful to us. And thank you we have a friend in Jesus who we can seek encouragement, who is always faithful. He'll never hurt us. He'll never leave us. He'll never desert us. He'll never forsake us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for our encouragement that comes from you alone as well. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen.